0: This week, we're in Matthew 21, 28 through 32. Um, But I wanted to ask, have you guys heard the phrase or the term, uh, all bark and no bite? All bark and no bite? Or that dog is all bark and no bite. And basically what it means is for uh, someone who talks a lot or argues a lot or fights a lot, uh, but when it comes to action... When it comes to actually backing up what they're saying, uh, they're totally harmless. And the term comes from the images of a dog, right? And I think they were thinking of our dog, our family dog, Edie, when they came up with this phrase. Because Edie is the epitome of all bark and no bite, right? Edie a six-pound, half uh, Maltese, half Yorkie, or Morkie. And uh, she's a yapper, and I have to confess that I don't want her in our home, right? I don't like her. Uh, No, just kidding. I'm a dog lover. No, I'm not. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's Janice's dog, and uh, she's a yapper. She barks every time the door rings or any time anyone approaches our home. Yap, 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 yap. Each time someone walks into our home, it's a bark, 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 bark and we already have crying kids and yelling kids and to add that barking on top of all the noises in our house just because i'm not a multitasker i'm not good at filtering out sounds it just drives me nuts right it drives me crazy and i um so she's not my dog needless to say but the funny thing is uh we used to take her out to walks or take her to like Magnuson Park where there's a dog park there and to socialize her and kind of play with other dogs but we've stopped doing that because it's so embarrassing it's so embarrassing because every dog that we come across Edie's just yab, 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 like she wants to fight right and I noticed we noticed a pattern that as long as we were holding Edie in our arms because we usually scoop her up Uh, Because we're, you know, afraid of her just getting eaten by some big dog. As long as we were holding her in our arms, she was just loud. She'd be like, and it would be like a Great Dane or a German Shepherd. I'm like, Edie, you don't want to pick a fight with this dog. Um, But as soon as we let her down, she'd go, because there was no security blanket, Right. So that is the image and definition of a dog with no bark, all all bark and no bite, right? Edie likes to talk a big talk, bark, 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 but when it comes to when the big dog is lunging at her, she just starts squealing, right? And just hides. Um, And I think about this um, when it comes to people as well. So I've always admired my wife Janice um, because we're kind of different. You know, in high school we actually went to the same high school, didn't know each other, and I like to say she knew me, but I didn't know her. Right? She knew me because I, you know, I was a jock. You know, and you know, I had I rolled around with my Letterman jacket, right? Football, wrestling, track, right? And uh, you know, so I'd like to think that semi you know young will say i'm a liar but you know semi known popular maybe or trying to at least be cool and uh janice in high school and she's not here right she had these thick really thick glasses and like oversized sweaters you know and just didn't care about her looks uh you could tell she was like a bookworm and stuff like that just epitome of geek right nerddom and um but you know, since we've come together and we've been married and we're partnering, sharing life, one of the things that I notice, and I notice about a lot of nerds, is a strong sense of self, right? Of confidence that um, that I just don't have. That I admire in her, because a lot of times I spent my time worrying about what other people thought about me, right? Worrying about being, you know, what I said, how I dressed, how I looked, um, because I'm a social creature, right? I'm relational, and um, that's just how I am. And Janice, you know, she just spent time, you know, playing EverQuest and her little, you know, role-playing game, RPG games and reading her fantasy sci-fi books, right, growing up and not really having friends. And No, she had friends. <laughs> um, but but they're... What that means, you think I'm ripping on her, but I'm not. But that gave her a sense of self. She didn't care. She just didn't care about the latest trends or getting contacts or wearing cool clothes, right? She just read her books, and she was content and happy. So when we hit the stresses of our life, right, now that we're married and we have kids, uh, or hard stuff comes our way, or we receive criticism i'm always like oh nobody likes me oh, wine 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 and she's like whatever you know just do your thing right she's always got this confidence uh about her um like a rock and so i envy that and it makes me think of um and which is the title of my sermon true metal like what kind of metal are you made of right and we know when we come across solid people, right? You push against their character, you push against their heart, and there's something there, right? It's not like all bark, right? There's a lot of bite. Maybe there's no bark at all, right? And, uh, but when you push against the values or convictions of these people, they're right there. They're like pushing back, and it's solid. They're grounded. True um, True metal. And um, I wanted to share, if you can hit the next slide, what is true metal? Oh, first, this this slide. Uh, So two weeks ago, uh, the summary of the sermon was, don't be a brat, right? And then last week, I said, don't be obnoxious, or be obnoxious. Be persistent in prayer. Have faith that doesn't end. Be obnoxious. And this week, I wanted to talk about how we need to be in our faith, in our life, Be honest. Be honest. Um, Now you can hit the next slide. Uh, True metal. So what is true metal? True metal is the faith to wrestle with God's will at the core and come away obedient. To wrestle with God and what he wants for us. Uh, Maybe you don't like it. Maybe you're having a hard time with it. Um, But then to come away obedient. That's true metal. Shallow faith, on the flip side, gives lip service, but is empty and action-free at the co- core. So shallow faith uh, is a dog with, no, with all bark and no bite, right? Um, so in our passage, in our parable, again, Matthew 21, 28 through 32, just to give a little context to fill this out, a major theme in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, is authority. Right? So the religious leaders of the temple and Jesus are constantly going back and forth about true authority. What is authority? And the religious leaders are challenging Jesus throughout the gospel um, because they feel threatened in their own authority, right? in their position in the temple kind of system. Um, and they're constantly, as a result, challenging Jesus' authority. Um, so in our very chapter of Matthew chapter 21 um, This is the chapter that uh, the famous story or incident where Jesus goes into the temple um, It's this is near the end of Matthew So he's entered into Jerusalem and he's making his kind of last days in Jerusalem before his crucifixion so the heat is building up right the drama right? It's climaxing. So Jesus goes into the temple Uh, And the temple is a place of God's authority. The temple is a place of worship for the people of Israel. And Jesus goes in, and there's money changers, and there's people selling doves and uh, exchanging money, and he clears it up, right? He just overturns tables, throws people out, and he says, how dare you make my father's house a a den for robbers, right? So Jesus, he wasn't polite, Right, Jesus didn't follow social mores. Jesus challenged uh, the authority of the day in the temple by clearing it out. Right, and this because this is because he had true metal. Right, he knew what he knew. That this isn't right. This is my father's temple. This is a place where people have access to my father to worship. And yet you guys are making it something else. So he comes in with a fire, but he ruffled a lot of feathers, right? He ruffled uh, the leader's feathers. And so um, after he clears out the temple, it says that the people, the lame, the sick, the crippled, they all came to him in the temple, uh, and he healed them, and he taught them. And I just imagine this this as being such an awesome moment, right? That Jesus, with his words and his actions and aggressiveness, clears out a space so that the temple uh, can be used for what it was intended to be, right? So that people could come and be healed and meet God, right? Uh, But it pissed people off, right? Right? Uh, the chief priests, uh, it also says that they cried out, they worshiped God in that place, right? It says they, uh, they cried out, Hosanna, son of David, right, to Jesus. Hosanna, son of David. And the chief priests and the elders were hot with envy, right? Their boxers are in a bunch. They're like, oh my, uh, fuming, steam's coming out of the ears, right? Um, and then there's this short interlude before our passage uh, about the fig tree, right? Jesus walking on the road, he sees a fig tree, and there's no fruit. And uh, forget about my sermon last time about second chances. Jesus gives second chances to the fig tree. That does it. This is a total different incident, right? So there's this fig tree without any fruit on it, and he just curses it. Right, He just curses the tree. You'll never bear anything, right? And the trees just curse. It's just this random part right in the middle here. Um, but I think it's a powerful image. If you compare it to uh, kind of the leaders of Israel, the, the people who are supposed to lead uh, God's people into the worship of God, uh, they aren't bearing fruit, Right? They're like a fig tree with all these branches, and there's no fruit, right? There's emptiness. It's shallow. And so when Jesus stops to curse this fig tree, it's like, I don't, f- I don't see any fruit. It's all talk. It's all fluff. You're like a blowfish, right? You know blowfish? When they face danger, they're like, whoo, right? And their, their skin's all prickly so that predators are like, whoa, a blowfish, right? I can't eat that. Right? But if you just took a needle and went and like pop, right? it's all hot air literally inside. And, and so this is what uh, the chief priests and elders are like as a bunch of hot air. Right? And Jesus is confronting that. Jesus is calling that out. So that the next time in chapter 21 that Jesus comes around to the temple, he comes teaching and the chief priests and elders ask, by what authority do you do these things? There's that authority question again, right? Where does authority come from? Does it come from mankind? Does it come from God? Does it come from tradition? Right, and that's a question that we wrestle with, right? When we say, when we add, wonder if someone's legit. Is that leader legit? Is that company legit? Is that pastor legit? Is that church legit? We are asking the question: By what authority? Does this person say or do these things? Does this group say or do these things? By what authority? By what authority is Dave Sims standing up here preaching at us, right? And we're just taking it in. Who knows? This guy could be crazy, right? By what authority? And Jesus turns to their question and returns with another question. And he asks them, by what authority did John the Baptist baptize? And it's interesting to see their process. Right? The temple leaders are like, oh John the Baptist. If we say it's God, right, then the people Jesus is gonna say, Well then why did you kill him have him killed? Right? If we say from people, then there's gonna be a riot. Right? Basically, what are they afraid of? They're afraid of how people will respond to them. They're not really they're not really interested in where authority really comes from that he's a man of God and when he came they didn't listen to him. They're just worried about politics, basically. What is going to be the response if I answer this? This is going to happen if I answer this. This is going to happen. Right? This is so Seattle, right? So Seattle, you hear people come from the East Coast or New York, man, Seattleites are so passive-aggressive. You hear that term all the time. And I want to be like, no, we're not, right? But I'm like, I am (laughs) passive-aggressive, right? It's just the air we breathe, right? Because in New York, you're like tough, right? And you're blunt and you're straightforward. That's so Seattle of them, right? What do you believe, right? What do you think about this? Uh, I don't know, right? I call this the church circle, too. You'll see this church after church. Hey, let's go out to eat. There's just a circle for hours. Yeah, yeah, I want to go out to eat. Yeah, you want to go out to eat? Yeah, let's go out to eat. Okay. Yeah, so, and it takes someone to just be like, I want pho, right? And people yeah, let's go, Ah!" right? What do you believe in? What do you want? Where are your convictions, right? And the Pharisees and the leaders and the elders are not like that. They don't know what they believe because they're just interested in protecting something else, their image, right, their their power, right? And I'm making a power and authority are connected in some way, and I'm making a kind of a distinguishment between those right what is the difference power we can grab for power right on our own we gain power right we can just have power we can take power authority is actually given to you right authority is given to you by someone else and so that question of authority jesus is like i have authority it comes it was given to me by god right And what you guys are worried about is your power, right? Your position. And I think that's a big problem in our culture. It's a big problem in our churches, right? Half the time our churches are dysfunctional, right, or our organizations are dysfunctional is because of how we deal with authority and power, right? And it's unhealthy, unhealthy conflict or unhealthy grabbing, Right, Churches rise and churches fall all the time because of how people hold power and authority. But true authority is given to us by God, and it's held loosely, right, like a gift. Are you guys with me? So what is true metal? Right? Jesus tells a parable. In the parable, uh, there are two... Uh, actually I should read the parable Uh, so starting in verse 28 of uh, chapter 21 what do you think a man had two sons now he came to the first son and said son go and work in the vineyard today no I don't want to he replied but later he changed his mind and went the father said the same thing to the other son who replied yes sir but he didn't go which one of these two did his father's will so Jesus is testing them which do you think is doing the father's will and they say oh clearly the first one Jesus said to them I assure you that tax collectors and prostitutes are entering God's kingdom ahead of you for John came to you on the righteous road and you didn't believe him but tax collectors and prostitutes believed him yet even after you saw this you didn't change your hearts and lives and you didn't believe him so in the parable there are two sons and a father and Jesus has set up the parable and concludes it so that there's a natural contrast being made between the tax collectors and para- uh, prostitutes on one side son number one and the temple leaders on the other side son number two and the dad approaches son one asking him to work in the vineyard that day and son one says nah I don't feel like it I don't want to I'm going out with my friends today. But later, this same son changes his mind and goes out to work. Dad, too, approaches son two and asks him to work in the vineyard that day. Son two, who's the model child, the model son, says, yes, sir. I'll do it, dad. But ends up never showing up. Right? That's like privilege, right? Entitlement. Uh, Jesus asks, which son? Did the father's will of course son won right now here's the kicker after trapping the elders in his own little test Jesus takes the opportunity to exhort them John came as a prophet and a righteous man sent from God to speak truth to speak the kingdom of heaven and repentance and the forgiveness of sins and you did not believe him and now I come preaching good news and healing people And you question my authority. But look, the sinners, the tax collectors, and the prostitutes came and they believed John. They came to him in droves and they were repented and they were baptized. And now they come to me and believe and are praising God. Hosanna, Hosanna. And they believe, but you still don't believe. The sinners are the first son. And the religious righteous are the second son, right? And it's the first son that's actually being obedient. Even though the first son was honest and said, I don't want to do it, right? I just don't feel like it. But ends up going anyways. There's a process there. Something happens, right? A change of heart, a change of mind. Whereas the second son, there's lip service, Right? Maybe they're used to being a good model son. Maybe they're used to getting what they want, even though right, they're spoiled, right? I'll, I'll just say yes, but I don't have to show up. No one's going to miss me. Right. And what Jesus is flipping the script on is that the people who are obedient and righteous are actually uh, the folks that are least likely right in this system in this culture right to be the ones to be the righteous ones and they're righteous so what is jesus saying about the kingdom of god what is he saying about discipleship next slide yeah god values authentic heart living over being good and giving lip service God's people are real with their struggles, with their sin, with their need, while the truly lost front and live in hypocrisy. And just to tell you a little bit about my life, I'm tired of being fake, right? And I shared a little bit about being a PK, right? And how PKs are the worst kids because they have to grow up being good and going to church every day, right? I hate being fake. I'm tired of being fake. Right? Uh, there was a time when I worked for uh, the University of Washington Medical Center uh, doing uh, admin stuff. Um, and I loved that job because I wasn't in ministry. No one knew me. It was just my coworkers. And we just cussed and like farted and like, like I was funny. I was actually funny, right? I was a likable guy and I enjoyed going to work. And... And then all of a sudden when I'm in ministry, I'm like, right, oh, I can't say that. Oh, I can't do that, right? And there's, there's you know, I'm not saying I, I, I should just cut loose and do anything I want to, right? There's a certain responsibility that comes with being a man of the cloth, right? <laughs> but, but I'm tired of being fake, right? Aren't you tired of being fake when you come to church? That's probably why so many people are leaving the church or saying, no, thank you. I'm not going to the vineyard today, right? I don't want to go work today. I don't want to go to church today. Actually, for the next five years, I don't want to go to church, right? Because it feels like Halloween, right? It feels like we're putting on a mask, a costume, and saying, trick-or-treat, right? Trick-or-treat, trick-or-treat. And yet there's no real transformation happening. There's no real wrestling happening. There's no real power of God coming into our lives and exacting healing and change, right? There's no real, like, love going out to our neighbors and people, right? And we're just like, what are we doing? We're singing songs and, like, like eating ourselves. Um, So I'm tired of being fake. But God values the authentic heart, right? over being good and just giving lip service. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, praise God, amen, PTL. God's people are real in their struggles with their sin. This is good news, right? The reason why it's good news is because when God says something to me or speaks to me, I can actually have space and room to struggle with that and wrestle with that like man I really don't want to do this right I actually have some doubts right I'm struggling with my faith can I do that can I struggle with my faith and it seems backwards right for us because we're so used to having it put together. And that means being good, right? Having things put together. But that's a false theology, actually. That's, that's a theology that doesn't receive God's grace, right? The gift of God's grace. It's saying, actually, I can save myself. Right? Actually, if I just look good, I, I clean off. Sometimes, uh, like the other day, I played Ultimate in the rain, and I got all muddy, and then I had to go somewhere. Uh, I think I forgot where I had to go. But I was like, oh, I don't have time for a shower, but I'm caked with mud. So I'll just change my clothes. I'll put some cologne on me, right, and some deodorant, and put on clean clothes, right? And as long as I don't smell, right, I'm clean, right? From other people's perspective, I'm clean. But I'm not clean, right? Underneath, right? I think I still have some mud on my knees right now, right? Underneath this nice jacket is mud, right? And we do that all the time, all right? Let's just, let's just put on this front and this facade. But Jesus is saying God values realness and honesty. Be honest, I'd rather have that, and then you come and follow me after you've gone through your process and come and follow me, then you saying yes, 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 right? It's the Seattle thing, right? Hi, I love you, right? <laughs> diversity, we like diversity, whatever. <laughs> we hate each other. Um, okay, I'm being cynical, I'm sorry. Um, what are the religious temple leaders holding on to anyways their position their authority their comfort are they holding on to the past when we hold on to power and control we too become blind to the fresh moving of god right we do church the way we always did it well why is the holy spirit not moving then (laughs) We can indeed become so legalistic and hypocritical that we become blind to truth and the goodness of the gospel moving around us. Live the honest life. Be honest. It's okay. No one cares here at Renew how good you are. No one cares how good you are. Are you kidding me? We suck. And the, I, I mean that in, the best <laughs> in a funny way. We suck. We're a bunch of misfits. But you know what? There's no heirs here, right? That's the kind of church we want to build. People with no heirs. People who truly wrestle, who truly struggle. And because of this honesty, we become a people who believe uh, that we'll become Oh, we'll become a people, be- now I'm reading, believe and we will become a people who will do God's will, right? In God's family, there's room to say no. Just be sure that it's a legit no, right? Not just no to say no or a no because you're just scared to deal with your stuff. Why are you afraid? Do you think you're too dirty, too naked, too stupid? Too poor, too broken, too drunken to come before Jesus Christ, your lover, as you are? People, don't be fake because God wants to know you. God wants to hold your hand and walk together with you. How good it is to know God and be known by Him. Don't hide, don't front. How good it is. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you love us just the way we are. Um, And that you uh, want so much more than just um, our bragging or us giving you our resume. But you want the core of who we are. Our fears, our insecurities, our weaknesses and shortcomings. um, The things we like and dislike. Um, You want to build a relationship with us for the long term. And sometimes that means conflict. That means saying no. That means space to run, space to wrestle. Just as you wrestled with Jacob in the desert uh, before you gave him a new name. Uh, Will you wrestle with us uh, and bless us in your name? Amen.